You're listening to the pulpit of Marion Avenue Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us for today's message. For additional resources, you can visit us online at marionavenuebaptist.com or by calling 855-825-4113. The truth will make you free. Great singing. Thank you so much for that. Take your Bibles to the book of Isaiah this morning. One day a prairie chicken found an egg and began to sit on it to hatch the egg. Unbeknownst to the little prairie chicken, this was not a prairie chicken, this was an eagle. Sure enough, the eagle was hatched and it began to live like a prairie chicken. Now eagles are the most majestic bird and the chief of birds and soar higher than any bird, but the prairie chicken is the opposite. The prairie chicken is so lowly that literally, number one, it can't fly, and secondly, All it does is scratch around eating garbage. It's a garbage-eating bird. Well, this little little eagle, growing up with all the prairie chickens, thought he was a prairie chicken. He never once tried to fly. He didn't know that he could fly. He ate garbage. He pecked around and spent his life living like a prairie chicken. One day, the eagle looked up and saw the most majestic bird in all the world. It wasn't even flapping his wings, it was dipping and flying, soaring through the eye almost magically. He looked around to his prairie chickens around him, prairie chicken family, and he said, what is that? They looked up from eating their garbage for just a moment and says, well, that's an eagle. But don't pay that any mind, you're just a prairie chicken. He didn't pay it any mind, he took what was told and went back to eating his garbage. He died thinking that he was just a prairie chicken. Many days he would have looked up and seen the eagle and wished that he could be free, wished that he could fly, wished that he could have that majesty. And yet he died thinking he was just a prairie chicken. God Almighty through his word looks down at you and I as Christians and he says, stop living like prairie chickens that are really, in reality, eagles. The prairie chicken would not defy gravity. But the eagle would because the eagle was born to fly. The eagle was made to fly. The eagle was created to fly. And we have a generation of Christians who are living like prairie chickens, knowing something is missing, longing to have the Spirit of God, the power of God, the movement of God, the sweetness of surrender, the beauty of marriage and home and family and influence and purpose in this prairie chicken world. And yet because we are satisfied to not find out what we were called, meant, created, born again to be, we live our lives and die thinking we're nothing more than the world around us. Let me just stop and say it's time for Christians this morning to stop living like prairie chickens, to get up out of the muck and mire of sin. Our problems are not to be the same problems as the world. We have problems, but it's not to be as the result of sin. It's not to be as the result of a lack of surrender as we live our lives in rebellion. God has called you to to, to fly high. To to, to be born to fly is, is what God has called us to be. And yet we live our lives like prairie chickens. Isaiah chapter number 40, we find in our text that Isaiah is dealing with Israel. And Israel has come become much like America. They have departed from God and forgotten how great God really is. Most of us only know God in what we have been taught. We know Him and believe Him in theology or in doctrine. So if you've 
heard the doctrine of grace or the doctrine of mercy. You've heard about His omnipresence or His omnipotence, His all-powerful being that God is Lord of all and over all. We know that in doctrine. We know that in theology. We know that in what we've been taught, but very few Christians have ever experienced that. And God is trying to teach the children of Israel that you must go back to an intimate relationship with me to understand that I am great and that I am God and that I am healer and that I am sustainer. And yet, because they would only know God in what they had been taught and never experienced God, they strayed from God and found themselves apart from God in a mess. Jesse and Stephen have never been to Tanzania, East Africa. All they know about Tanzania, East Africa is what they've been taught. And they've learned a whole lot more even in recent days because they've booked the tickets, they've studied where they'll be staying, they've studied everything about it, maybe even some language and different things, but they still only know what they've been taught. When they come home in two weeks, they will not be experiencing Africa in what they've been taught and even believe. They believe in Africa. Would you agree with that? So much so that they spent their hard-earned money and bought the tickets. So much so that they're taking off work, uh, all of these things to go by faith to Africa, but yet they still only know it in what they've been taught. When they come home, they'll know it in a completely different way. They will know it intimately. They will have walked the dusty roads. They will have shaken the hands of the Tanzanians. They will have eaten a meal in the orphanage. They will have served together in a church. They will have worked alongside of and in the markets and in the villages. They will have known Africa. And yet, God looks down to Israel and God looks down to America. God looks down to you and I and says, I want you to know me more than learning of me. I want you to be like Paul and know me intimately. I want you to experience me. And that's where we are in the context of our text in Isaiah. We come down to verse 28, and I want you to see it. Everyone with their Bibles, hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God The Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Have you ever really thought about that famous verse, Isaiah 40, 31? They that wait upon the Lord. Have you ever seen that before? What, what will they do? The Bible says that they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings. Here's those two words, as eagles. 34 times in the scripture, the Bible mentions eagles. And this morning, we're going to look at Christians, you and I, as an eagle. Father, we come into your presence and we ask your anointing upon this time together, the riches of your word. We ask that it would feed us. We pray that we would be honest and we pray that we would be convicted. We pray that you would send us home with something in our hearts that we can live out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. First of all, as an eagle, we see in the scriptures that as eagles fly. What you have to understand in the scriptures so much about the eagle is God created the eagle and set them as a pinnacle and said that we are as eagles, that we'll mount up with wings as eagles. God wants us to look and say, well, how does eagles fly? An eagle is born with big, heavy wings. And eagles will die 
if they fly flapping their wings. Eagles are the only bird that rely solely, now they'll flap every once in a while to come into another thermal current, but they will fly solely upon thermal currents, or really which is an updraft, a certain kind of current, not just any wind that a bird would be uh, tossed around and try to fly through, but these are currents that they will wait for, much like a hot air balloon will try to find a current to go to a destination. And the eagle will sometimes set in a very high place on a rock for days, days, 24-hour periods, waiting for that updraft, waiting for that thermal current to take it because an eagle, if you've ever seen it soaring, and that's the word soaring, it's not really flying and flapping its wings. Its wings are heavy. It would expend all of its energy, and eagles have died when they got caught without the right kind of thermal currents, and they didn't wait on the thermal currents. They got impatient and tried to go for something they should have waited for. Eagles will soar, and you'll see them dipping and soaring, and they're literally riding on the thermal currents. Eagles have to learn as a, as a little baby, and their mom and their dad teach them, waiting for those right currents to stir the nest. The Bible even talks about this in the book of Deuteronomy. The Bible uses these words, listen very, very carefully, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found them in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness, he led him out about... He instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, listen carefully, Deuteronomy 32, 11, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. And I have studied and heard other people that have studied and watched it on videos that the mother uh, will take and stir the nest and make the nest very uncomfortable so the eagle can't stay there and be comfortable. Why? Because he is, the mother is teaching the eagle to learn how to fly, otherwise he'll die. He can't just go out and flap his wings for the rest of his life. And soon the mother will push the eagle out, I mean hundreds of feet off of a sheer cliff of some scraggly branch with the large eagle's nest, and the eagle will, will fall screeching and howling, falling to its death. The parent is waiting for the right thermal currents that the eagle can begin to feel that. But it would still die. And so the father then goes down, as often the mother will as well, go down and swoop the eagle up and take it back to the nest and then wait for more thermal currents, wait for more the right wind patterns and push the eagle out of the nest again. Why? Because the parents are trying to teach the babies that the only way that you are going to have strength the only way that you are going to fly and not be weary or utterly fall is you're going to have to fly in the power that God created you to have. And that is not in your own power, but is in the power of the wind around you. And so the Bible is teaching us, look, all of the, you thought just that one phrase was about eagles. The Bible is teaching us about eagles starting in verse number 29. Look at it in Isaiah 40. As he says to his people, Israel, given to us even today, he says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. God Almighty is teaching the children of Israel, and again you and I today in our marriage, in our homes, and as boys and girls sitting on the pew this morning, that when we do life our own way without standing on the rock, waiting on the Lord, following His plan and His power, not by power, nor by might, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord, the flesh profiteth nothing. 
And when we don't wait upon the Lord, we are not seeking His path, His strength, His personal, that intimate relationship that I talked about. When we're not seeking that, we can look at it utterly fall. He goes on in verse uh, 30. Uh, Even the youth shall faint and be weary. He's talking about these little eagles that are not trusting the wind current. He's saying you're going to utterly fall. You are going to be weary, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. The Bible says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait upon the Lord. There was once a fellow who with his dad farmed a little piece of land. Several times a year they would load up the old ox-driven cart with vegetables and go into the nearest city to sell their produce. Except for their name and the patch of ground, the father and son had little in common. The old man believed in taking it easy. The boy was usually in a hurry, the go-getter type. One morning very early they hitched up the ox to load the loaded cart and started on the long journey. The son figured it was better if they walked faster and kept going all day and all night that they'd make market by early the next morning. So he kept prodding the ox with a stick, urging the beast to go faster. Take it easy, son, the old man said. You'll last longer. But if we go to get to market ahead of the others, we'll have a better chance of getting good prices, argued the son. Four hours and four miles down the road, they came to a little house. The father smiled and said, here's your uncle's place. Let's stop in and say hello. But we've lost an hour already, complained the hotshot. Then a few more minutes won't matter. My brother and I live so close, yet we see each other so seldom, the farmer answered slowly. The boy fidgeted and fumed while the two old men laughed and talked away an hour. On the move again, the man took his turn leading the ox and they approached a fork in the road. The father led the ox to the right. The left is the shorter way, the son said. I know it, replied the old man, but this way is much prettier and much safer. Have you no respect for time, the young man shouted. Oh, I have respect for time very much. That's why I like to take the safe road, the beautiful road, the right road. The winding path led through graceful meadows and wild flowers and along a rippling stream, all of which the young man missed as he churned within, boiling with anxiety, wishing to do it his own way. He didn't even notice how lovely the sunset was that day. Twilight found them in what looked like a huge colorful garden. The old man breathed in the smell, listened to the babbling brook, and pulled the ox to a halt. Let's sleep here, he said. This is the last trip I'm making with you, snapped the son. You're more interested in watching in sunsets and taking it safely and following the right path and smelling the flowers than you are making the money. Why, that's the nicest thing you've said to me in a long time, smiled the old man. A couple of minutes later, he was snoring and his boy glared back at the stars. The night dragged on slowly. The sun was restless. Before sunrise, the man took his father awake, shook his father awake. They hitched up and went on. About a mile down the road, they happened upon another farmer, a total stranger, trying to pull his cart out of a ditch. Let's give him a man. Let's give him a hand, whispered the old man. And lose more time, lose more money, the young boy exploded. Relax, son, you might be in a ditch one day yourself. We're called to help others in need. Don't forget that. The boy looked away in anger. It was almost 8 o'clock that morning by the time the other cart was back on the road. Suddenly, a great flash split the sky. What sounded like thunder followed. Beyond the hills, the sky grew dark. Looks like big rain in the city, said the old man. If we had hurried, we'd be there by now, grumbled the young son. Take it easy. You'll last longer. Enjoy more of life, counseled the kind old gentleman. 
It was late afternoon by the time they got to the hill overlooking the city. They stopped and stared down at it for a very long time. Neither of them said a word. Finally, the young man put his hand on his father's shoulder and said, I see what you mean, Dad. They turned their cart around and began to roll slowly away from what had once been the city of Hiroshima. And that is told as a true story. The Bible says, but they that wait upon the Lord. What is waiting upon the Lord? It's doing it God's way even when it doesn't make sense, even when we're impatient, even when we feel like we as the prodigal son, who by the way wasn't a fool, he became a fool. Because he didn't wait on God the Father as the picture in the story. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. People come to a church like this. They like the product, but they don't like the process. They like strong marriages. They like pure husbands and sweet wives. They like character children that are not out at the club or shooting up the drug or throwing their life away. They like the product, but very few want to spread their wings for the process. And the process is not my way or this church's way. It's God's Word. Even our culture around us in America, we want the product. But the reason why we're not getting the product of God's way and peace and joy and, 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 and influence and strong marriages and homes and churches and revival, the reason why we're at, at a higher suicide rate than we've ever been, the reason why we're more hate-filled hate and, and, and divided than we've ever been and mocking God's name more than we ever have been before, it's not that we don't like the product, it's just that we won't trust the process. And the process is the precious Word of God. As eagles fly, how do they fly? They fly not upon their own strength, but upon the wind that God sends their way. There's somebody sitting in the room this morning and you are bitter because God didn't treat you fairly. Somebody stabbed you in the back. Some wrong came in your life and you're not willing to fly according to God's word. You want to do it your way because you're afraid of getting hurt again. God says, wait on the rock, get in the word, and I'll show you where to go. I'll show you how to fly. Waiting upon the Lord is simply standing on the rock, trusting in God. If more dads would stand upon the rock of God's word and say, we're going to do things God's way, even when we want to jump off and rush it and go our own way, we're going to wait on God's way, then we will be, as Isaiah 40, 31, we will not utterly fall, we will not faint, we will be renewed as eagles. Secondly, not only do eagles fly, eagles are free. Of course, in America, they're the symbol of freedom. But in the word of God, they were also a symbol of freedom when he uses the words mount up. What this means is we are leaving earth, bound by earth and by the power of his spirit, not by might, not by our own freedom, like some young kid who's a rebellious and says, I want to leave mom and dad. I want to leave all these rules. I'm going into the military. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> you know, I'm going to do my, my I'm going to go my own way. The vast majority, like staggering in the 90%, kids that say, I want to do my own way, at some point in time in their life, we're picking up the phone behind a glass wall or through the bars. But eagles are a symbol of freedom because they mount up, not with their own freedom, not with their own way, not with their own rebellion. I'm going to do life my own way. No, that brings bondage. 
but freedom in Christ will mount up with wings as eagles. We'll run and not be weary. We'll walk and not faint. We will be free. And the Bible says, he that the Son hath made free is free indeed. Being made, then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. And God said, if you will trust God's plan, you will be free from Satan's devices. There are many marriages that are born again or Christian, if you will, but you're living in bondage. There are many teenagers living in a heart of bondage because you're going your own way. You're not a symbol of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's nothing like being out of a straitjacket Christianity where uh, 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 we come to church and we're coming to church because we have to. Because we're punching that prideful clock. Uh, we want to be good people in the community. Our brothers and sisters in Christ will wonder where we're at. Mom and dad said we had to. That's bondage Christianity. But when you come into relational Christianity, you see that you're living and doing what you're doing because Jesus loves you. God died for you. Let me, let me challenge you teenagers. Root into an intimate relationship with the Lord this morning. Don't just say, hey, when I'm 18, I'm out of here. Hey, look, why don't you step up and be, uh, 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 instead of being lukewarm, be hot or cold and honest and just say, hey, I don't believe in any of this stuff. You say, would you want me to do that? Absolutely. Come to me. Come to your parents and say, I'm sick and tired of it. I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's way. You say, why would you want to do that? Because then you are coming in honesty and the only way God could ever work in your life is when we come in honesty. And there is a bondage that comes in living a life on the outside that you don't believe on the inside. And God says when you wait on the Lord and you trust His plan, you're truly free. There are people that want to be free. You hate what your mom and dad are telling you. You can't date this person, can't do this, can't, all of these rules. And I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. How about somebody, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, child, whoever you may be, Christian, all of us. How about we come to God and say, God, I just want your way. I truly do. I'm honest with you. I'm not questioning to doubt. I'm questioning to learn and to seek your face. What do you want with my life? I want to be an intimate Christian. I want to be an authentic Christian. I want to be a real Christian. That doesn't scare me. It won't scare me if my children come. Uh, it probably will. But if my children come to me and, and, and they tell me some shocking thing to say, hey, mom and dad, I'm not saved and I don't want to be saved. I would rather them do that. I would rather them talk to me in that way about Christianity than living a facade life waiting for freedom only to find bondage. Grab hold on that, Christian. Why do you walk through these doors? Why do you carry a Bible? Why do you own a Bible? Why do you live the Christian life? Is it because somebody else around you? Thank God there are people there to exhort you and encourage you, and that's great, and that's wonderful. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But it wasn't long term. It was a jump start. Like a, God gives a parent to a child. It was to say, come on, I exhort you. I rebuke you. I encourage you. I restore you. Let's go. But you're going to have to get that engine cranking on your own. Because if you don't make it real, and if you don't make it yours, you'll never fly as the eagles fly free. You will be as a prairie chicken, thinking you're living life to the fullest, but knowing something somewhere is missing. You want freedom this morning? Here's what you do. What do I do practically? Simply come in childlike faith and seek God. Get past the garbage and the baggage in your life and just look to God and say, God, I'm sorry. I've been living like a prairie chicken. I've been living like a rebellious Christian. I've been going my own way thinking that this is what's going to make the path bright. I, this morning, am going to come in old-fashioned repentance and get right with God. Eagles fly 
As eagles are free. Number three, as eagles focus. Eagles have two sets of eyes. They have incredibly strong vision. They can focus on prey at over three miles. I'll never forget driving to Cedar River Baptist Camp when it was in Letts, Iowa, when we crossed the Cedar River there, right near Fredonia, right outside of Columbus Junction there. We crossed the river, and I was riding on a bus, and my eyes about literally fell out of my head, and I tried to get everybody's attention. There was only one other person that saw it. But I was just looking out the window. We were almost to camp. It's a beautiful area. I was looking out the window, and an eagle came out of nowhere. I didn't see it, and I'd been looking at the expanse of the river, looking up the river. It just came right down into the view, swooped down, and picked up a fish about this big. In its claws, I saw it with my own eyes. You know, you see these things on National Geographic. And I hollered, scared half the bus, but it was over so quick that only somebody sitting right in front of me saw it. And they, it just flew out. And that thing, I don't know how high it had come from. Eagles fly the highest of any birds. And it had just come out of the sky and dove and grabbed that fish. They have two sets of eyes. One set of eyes as they're flying and another set of eyes when they go through a storm, a fog, almost like an airplane can fly by instruments. Eagles can have these special eyes that they can see even in tough days. And God is saying, look, if you wait upon the Lord, are you following the progression? If you wait upon the Lord and follow my plan, have an intimate relationship with me, if you'll fly as I fly, if you'll have the liberty that I give you, he said, then you'll have the focus that comes from only knowing me. The perspectives that we have are not natural perspectives as Christians because this old world has a different perspective, a different focus than God. The world's focus, the earth's focus is me, myself, and I. It's pushing myself up. It's stepping over everybody else to climb higher on the ladder of success. And God says, you follow Jesus' focus as he was like an eagle that was razored in to seek and to save that which was lost. Our calling, our focus as a church is to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be as eagles to focus, to stay focused. Most churches, and I'm not trying to be critical here, only by the grace of God are we still focusing this morning, but most churches have lost their focus. Nothing more than a social club, everybody coming in, and we're just standing up trying to please everybody and gather everybody. Why? I don't know. Maybe to pad pockets, maybe to feel good, to have a nice Instagram post or Facebook or good website or something that everybody can see how pretty we all are, but yet... We're not strengthening our marriages focused on that, strengthening our families focused on that, and reaching the lost focused on what Jesus was focused on. A young man had been in World War II for many years, and he landed in San Francisco and was about ready to come home. He called his mom and dad. I've heard this to be a true story. He called his mom and dad, and they were so excited. He says, they, they lived in a Midwestern state, said, I'll, I'll be there in two days. They were so excited. He said, but before you go, I have a question. He said, I have a friend with me. And I'm wondering if he could come. He has no place to go. I'm wondering if he could come and stay with us. And they said, oh, yeah, that's, that's fine and great. They said, I actually want him to live with us. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, he can find a place down the road. Yeah, just bring him home. We're excited to see you. They said, wait, before, before I hang up the phone, I've got to tell you, he doesn't have an arm or a leg. It was blown off in the war. They got real quiet on the other end. They said, well, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll find him a place to stay. He said, no. He said, I'm asking. He has nowhere to go. He has no one else. He said, can he live with us? They got real quiet and they said, son, you don't understand how that will inconvenience our life. You don't understand 
how we can't do that. We don't want that in our home. No arm and no leg, he'll be in a will. He can't do anything. We don't want that in our home. You don't understand. We'll try to find something else, but, but you can't bring him into our home. He cannot live here. With that, he hung up the phone, never saying another word. They didn't hear from him. They waited. A week passed, two weeks passed. Finally, they got a call from a coroner. Said, we need you to fly to San Francisco. We found your son. He jumped off a tall building in San Francisco and committed suicide. They were shocked. They flew out to California to identify the body, have the body brought back to the Midwest, and to their shock and horror when they went in to identify the body, it was their son without an arm and without a leg. It's amazing how our focus is so self-focused, isn't it? As long as it pleases us, as long as it affects us, and God says in Jude, 20, God says in Jude 1, 22, and some, not all, and some having compassion, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You want to know what downstairs is all about right now? I was here at the church at 5.20 this morning. It wasn't long after that I heard buses rolling past the church and workers getting out. It was raining and it was cold and it was miserable. You know why they get on a bus and we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars every, every 12 months? You know why? Because somebody needs to care for those children outside of our own little circles. If all I care about is my own children, and I set up my little boundaries around my own children, I'll lose my own children and the ones that I should have reached. That's a biblical principle. The Bible says in Proverbs, He that stoppeth his ear at the cry of the needy shall cry himself and not be heard. You say, I, I want somebody to witness to my relatives. I want somebody to witness to my children. Who are, whose relatives are you witnessing to and telling about Jesus? They have laser focus and God says, I want you to mount up with wings as eagles. I want you to trust my plan. I want you to go my way. Number four, and we're almost finished. As eagles, as eagles do not fear. When the storm clouds gather, eagles get excited. Why? Because the storm is how they fly. The Bible talks about that in James chapter number one. He says, Christians treat the storm uniquely. To the world, it's horrible. It's devastating. To Christians, it's our turn to shine the brightest. If you are looking at this COVID political 2020 situation as a negative, you're not looking at it biblically as a Christian. When I see the confusion around the politics. I said this on election night at two in the morning. I said, I'm disappointed in what's going on right now. I'm frustrated as an American. I want to trust our system and all of that. I don't know what's going on. I don't think anybody does. I said, I'm disappointed. Personally, I'm even a little angry. And I said to those in the room at two o'clock in the morning, I said, but I'm excited. And they looked at me, why are you excited? This is the greatest opportunity. America's going to be searching and Christians are going to be, as, as you, the economy crashes and uh, everybody goes into shutdown and the government telling you you can't have people at home for Thanksgiving and everything else. And by the way, we're going we're, we're to have Thanksgiving celebration, just FYI. But anyways, all of these things, the darker the night, the brighter the light. Eagles don't fear. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I love these analogies that God gives in the Word of God. And I close with this one. 
as an eagle, not only doesn't fear, he's courageous. And this is the time to be courageous, to stand for truth, to speak up, to speak out, convictions enrobed in compassion. But last but not least, eagles follow. Eagles follow. What do they follow? If you study the eagle, God created instincts in every animal. Some animals are more prone to not be faithful. Eagles are faithful. They mate for life. They're faithful. But eagles are so true to their God-designed, God-created instinct. Sometimes we don't follow our God-created conscience and, and, and the way of life that we should live. Some animals deviate from that and they'll do things that they shouldn't be doing. But eagles follow their instincts strongly. What are their instincts? It's what God designed and created them to be. The Bible says that He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, He increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord. He said, if you as Christians will follow the Lord, follow His plan, follow His path, you will be renewed. You will have revival. Your marriage can make it. But you have to stop following your way, deviating from God's plan to get whatever you want that seems more attainable or more realistic. God says, be people of faith and follow the ways of the Lord. They follow instructions. Let me close with this story. My Bible's closed. I want you to listen very carefully. I think I'll get your attention with this. It was a professor of medicine teaching on how to identify diseases, but he was actually teaching a greater lesson and the students didn't know it. He set a cup of urine on his desk. Human waste. And he said, we're going to be able to identify diseases. But he said, the first and most important principle is that you do exactly what you are told in this class and that you follow details. Do we all understand that? He said, yes. He said, details are important in our business. He said, so I want you to follow the details. Now, we're going to do an experiment. And he dipped his finger in the cup and put it in his mouth. I think I might have your attention now. He said, now, okay, all right, now we're going to pass it around the room, and I want you to do the same thing. So the class passed it around the room, dipped their finger in it, got all the way around. They were gagging and throwing up, but they wanted to pass the class, and he got back to the front. He said, how many of you could identify the disease? And none of them did. He said it because it wasn't about identifying the disease. It was about following instructions. He said, I dipped my middle finger in and put my first finger in my mouth. He said, how did y'all do? (laughs) Now we laugh. There are a lot of people that think they're following the ways of God. There are a lot of people sitting on that train thinking they're going somewhere, but they're not connected to anything that's going somewhere. There's a lot of people that think they have Christianity, but you're not renewed because you've never taken flight spiritually as a Christian, born-again believer. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about being saved, receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You think you're doing it right, but unless we do it in the simplicity of the gospel, understanding that we're all sinners, none righteous, no, not one, understanding that that sin will, that sin will send us to hell, a real and literal place that God created, 
But Jesus in His love and His infinite mercy came to earth and died for us on the cross, shedding His blood, tasting death for every man, going to hell, conquering sin, death, hell, and the grave, coming back, raising from the dead to be a living God to offer you the pardon. He said it's finished. It's written. It's here. Sign it. It's done. I've signed it with my blood. You must receive it in your own free will. Receive the gift of salvation. How do I do that? You're a sinner. You have a penalty for sin. Jesus Christ, God's only son, came and gave his life on the cross, took our place so that you and I could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know for sure you've done that? I'm shocked at the people who come to a church like this. Say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, but there's never been a time in your life where you knew that you were a sinner. You're convicted of that. In your heart, you knew, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I'm, I'm calling upon you and asking you right now, by faith, to save me. I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection by faith. And I'm asking you to save me. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask that most important question. How many of you are here this morning and you say, you know, I've, I've done some good works. I've been a part of a church. I've been a part of a religion. But I don't know of a time in my life where I've truly placed all of my faith and trust in and on Jesus Christ. Not in head knowledge, but in heart faith. Pray for me. That's me. I don't know for sure if I die today that I'd go to heaven because I'm not placing all my faith on Jesus Christ. I've never come to that moment and been born again. Just like I was born once, I was born again when I asked Jesus Christ to save me by faith. And this morning I get it. This morning I'm willing to step out by faith and pray. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to call you by name. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want you all over the auditorium to simply raise your hand and say, pray for me. That's me. I'm not for sure if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. Raise your hand right now, just above your head. Thank you, ma'am. Somebody else all over the auditorium. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You can put your hand down now. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Anyone else all over the auditorium? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to step forward with others. Other Christians will come. And I want you, if you will, to allow one of our lady workers, ma'am, to show you out of the Word of God how you can be saved. And uh, she could also come where you're at, but we want you to trust Jesus as your Savior. Christian, did God speak to your heart? A simple message, as the way of the eagles, so is the way of man. Would you stand to your feet? Would you come and do business with God? Make a decision that I'm going to get right with God, that I'm going to live for God, that I'm going to mount up with wings as eagles. The reason why you're not refreshed and renewed in 2020 is because we're living like prairie chickens. We're down here on this earth, scratching around, not realizing that we've been called to glory. We've been called to priesthood. We have been called to follow Christ and live in His way. Young people, there's a God that loves you and says you can be as the eagles. Even the youth shall faint. They'll utterly fall. Why? Because they're trying to flap their own wings. But they that wait upon the Lord, you're sitting upon a rock, you're studying His Word, you're waiting for God to lead and guide to see His path and plan. You're waiting to follow the Spirit of God follow His way. You're surrendered to Him day by day. There's a lot of us that we're not living that way. We've jumped off the rock to our own destruction. And God says, wait upon the Lord. You'll renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. There are marriages that are utterly falling this morning. There are teenagers that are utterly falling. There are Christians that are weary. As Hebrew 12 says, let us lay aside every weight and sin that thus so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He said, consider him lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 
How many Christians need to be courageous in this darkness? Need to have the smile of God upon their face? Need to speak the truth in love boldly? How many Christians need to be free this morning? Not free to go out and live life the way we want to and slap the label grace on it. To look more like Satan in his ways and tear apart marriages and trust and homes. But to follow after grace that teaches us that denying ungodliness and lust that we should live soberly and righteously in this present world. Where is the Christian that says, I'm tired of not being convicted. I'm tired of not having an intimate relationship with the Lord. And I want to rededicate my life to the Lord this morning. I want to rededicate and revive my spirituality this morning in Christ Jesus and Him alone. I want to find that thermal current this morning. And I want to only fly in His way. I want to be free in Christ this morning. I want to walk in the spirit of liberty to say, I'm serving you, Jesus, because I'm serving you, Jesus. I'm loving you, Jesus, because you first loved me. I'm doing the things that I'm doing and living the life that I'm living because you loved me. Because you care for me. Because you died for me. Because you commanded it. And the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, that we should henceforth live no more to ourselves, but unto him that lived and died for us as an eagle. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. This will be the last verse in course. God spoke into your heart, do business with Him. Are you sitting upon a rock this morning? Are you taking time for prayer? I appreciate so many young couples. I've talked about this young couple going to Africa. And they came into the office and says, we're praying. We want to know what the right thing is to do. They were praying about their family. They're praying about their child. They were praying about the time. They were praying about the finances. And I thought, you know what they're doing? They're sitting upon a rock waiting, following the biblical principles to know what is right. Father, we thank you that we have your examples in your word, your calling. Lord, that we are called to follow. I pray that you would be with these that are trusting you as their personal Savior and others that have made so important decisions. Bless us as we mount up with wings as eagles on your current, on your way, on your word. May we be revived and strengthened and renewed in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm thrilled that Ronnie Whitlow has come this morning. He's been born again. He has been baptized by immersion in water. They are so faithful. Uh, they're always commenting online uh, during the week. Nicole brought me a birthday present last week. They are in. They ride one of our buses. And uh, Ronnie has come to join the church this morning. Pastor Abe has talked with him. And do I see a motion that we welcome into our church membership? A second. All in favor of our church membership and this is just our picture of our love for you and we, our desire for you to be a part of this church family. Pastor Abe will stand with Ronnie. Would you come and greet him? You can either shake his hand or just say hello to him this morning. Hasn't it been good to be in the house of God this morning? Would you come back and visit with us? Would you come back and be a part of our church? You're only a visitor once at the Marion Avenue Baptist Church. We will have the auctions uh, fundraiser streamed online. It will not be on this system. It will be through Legacy Auctions. 
and our, our volunteer, Leon Martin. Is Leon in the room this morning? I heard that he was coming. Maybe he's not here yet. But uh, we'll send that link out through our text updates. We'll also post it online on Facebook. Would you send it to your rich uncle, okay? And tell him to get online and he can bid online. Then would you come tonight? It's a lot of fun. We'll have a blast doing that tonight. We'll talk more about it in the evening service. I've got a lot of announcements that I didn't go over this morning because we wanted to focus on lifting up Jesus and preaching His Word. But if you come back tonight, we'll take a few minutes giving you some important announcements. We've got things like a little mini mother-daughter retreat this coming Saturday from 12 to 3 for moms and daughters. You'll have a great time doing that. And a lot of exciting announcements. We'll let you know more about it tonight. God bless you. Fellowship one with another. If you're a visitor, we'd like to get to know you. We want you to come back home to Marion Avenue Baptist Church. You are dismissed. We love you, church.